Chapter 2. Life, an Invitation to Learning Every human being frequently faces the most important existential question, Who am I? When we ask ourselves this question, most of us feel we are hitting an iceberg. What does an iceberg look like? An iceberg has 5% of its mass above the water and the rest 95% submerged. In truth, an iceberg symbolizes the human being's consciousness process. We have two levels of consciousness, one commonly known as conscious, the other called subconscious. Most people live in a subconscious way. That means they do not live truly knowing who they are. They are unaware of life mechanisms, and this unawareness causes a level of superficiality in regards to life itself. What does living in a subconscious life look like? To live life subconsciously means to live in a way that the individual sees no meaning in life. Nowadays, there are many illnesses such as depression, suicidal tendencies, alcoholism, drug addiction, generalized anxiety, and a variety of degenerative conditions, etc., that are existential illnesses. Unfortunately, many people have this subconscious view of life, which turns them into very superficial individuals. Usually people with suicidal tendencies are living a subconscious existence. They do not believe that there is a meaning to life and that by committing suicide, everything will end. They live in a state of self-illusion and self-deception. In this chapter, we will address strategies we must learn in order to become more conscious, to turn our lives closer to the essential reality, the spiritual reality all of us are invited to develop. In Alan Kardec's The Spirit's Book, question number 919, St. Augustine tells us that self-awareness is the key to individual progress. It is fundamental that all human beings use the existence we have on earth to develop self-awareness. We must know who we truly are, diving ever deeper into our subconscious, the iceberg, in order to become more aware of our consciousness. We are invited to guide ourselves towards the universal truth in order to internalize it into our inner self. By developing our self-awareness, we will be able to perform this internalization. Self-awareness will help us to become conscious of our limitations from knowing the universal truth we are invited to overcome our subconscious lifestyle and free ourselves once and for all from the causes of depression, suicidal thoughts, as well as those existential illnesses which compel us to live in a way that is contrary to life itself. Through self-awareness, we learn to embrace the commitment of striving to pursue the true essence of life. To achieve the goal of searching for universal truth, it is fundamental to understand that the synthesis of the universal truth is in the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is the most comprehensive source of self-awareness and knowledge of truth that has ever been given to humanity. But this assertion is only valid when we look to understand it in spirit and truth, as Jesus told us to do so. Let us study the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, 16-23, the parable 
of Great Banquet. This can help us understand the issue of suicide. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go to seed it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes, and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let us analyze this parable under the scope of transpersonal psychology. Who is the certain man that Jesus refers to? This certain man in the parable is a representation of God. In the phrase, was preparing a great banquet, what does a great banquet mean? In reality, a great banquet represents opportunities given to all human beings that they have to reincarnate in order to develop virtues, the so-called qualities of the heart, those fundamental virtues that help us to become more conscious. The delicacies served in the banquet are the virtues we all must aspire for. Every time we reincarnate, all of us are invited to develop our virtues. Therefore, the delicacies which are served in a great banquet are nothing more than the divine virtues we all bring latent within us, and which we are responsible for developing step by step. All of us are invited to participate in the great banquet. In verse 17, Jesus says, At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Jesus' assertion means that all of us are invited to join the great banquet and enjoy its delicacies every time we reincarnate. Such delicacies are the virtues of the heart, love, charity, meekness, humbleness, serenity, and many others which we are invited to develop throughout our lives. But they all alike began to make excuses, the first said. I have just bought a field, and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. The first invitee said that he couldn't attend the great banquet because he had bought a piece of land, which at the moment was more important than the Lord's banquet. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The third invitee had just gotten married and was in need to go to his honeymoon, most likely to enjoy the pleasures of sex and therefore wasn't able to attend the Lord's invitation to the great banquet. The first three invitees represent 
all of those who are returning to a purely sensual, materialistic, and hedonistic life in which all that matters is money, power, and sex. All the materialistic values so much cherished by human beings. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant to go out to the roads and country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The Lord asked his servant to search for all those who were in need, so they could be brought to the great banquet. When the servant tells the Lord that there was still room for more people, the Lord asked him to search in roads and country lanes and compel the ones in need to come to the great banquet until it was full. Let us once more understand the transpersonal explanation of this parable. We have already seen that the banquet's delicacies represent the virtues of God, invites us to develop along with several reincarnations. Who is the first servant? The first servant is love itself that invites us to go through life's trials, which are part of a mechanism to help us develop the virtues of our hearts. God is constantly lovingly inviting us to practice virtues by getting to know the truth and doing what is requested of us along with each reincarnation. We can develop our virtues until we reach complete happiness. Question 115 of the Spirit's book states that this is the way we get closer to God. Love is the first servant God sends. When the loving servant comes and invites us to the great banquet, there are many delicacies we are invited to acquire. What are the excuses we often use? Due to the subconsciousness which still characterizes our present existences, we often prefer a materialistic lifestyle focused on secondary matters and fail to attend the great banquet. Can we do that? Can we use our free will to live an unconscious lifestyle, avoiding the quest for the virtues which are necessary for our evolution? We can, but it is not convenient to choose this path. If we do not accept the invitation brought by the first servant, love through trials, to develop a more meaningful process of consciousness towards life, and consequently developing the virtues we need, there will come a second servant to invite us again. Who is the second servant? The second servant is the pain of atonement. That's the reason the second invitation comes to those who are blind, lame, deaf, begging in the streets, etc., symbolizing those who in a previous existence made ill use of the divine resources they received and are now atoning their faults. For example, an individual who used their own sight to perpetuate wrongdoings, such as blinding others, as in the case of Camilo Castello Branco, which will be studied further ahead in this book, will reincarnate to atone their previous mistakes by living a life of blindness. Many who are currently undergoing this process of atoning are already a little more humbled and less rebellious. Pain is what characterizes the atoning stage in a person's life. When people truly accept atonement, 
from pain they will consequently return to the path of love, a path they should have already accepted for the invitation for and participated in the banquet, instead of straying away with the excuse of having other important things to do. That is why these individuals accept the Lord's invitation to the great banquet, in order to develop the virtues of the heart, the delicacies of the banquet, which they were supposed to embrace the first time they were invited to and to develop them. They had been invited by the loving servant, but refused to accept the invitation. As they refused the first invitation, atoning pain, the second servant, became necessary so that they may be able to develop the virtues they refused to develop by love. However, once again, not all individuals accept the path of atonement and continue to rebel against the divine laws, against the fundamental law of love. This is the law that invites us to develop the virtues we need. Many engage in a deaf revolt against everything and everyone, including against God, and seek for a way out by committing suicide. That is when a third servant comes along. Who is the third servant? Suffering. When someone rebels against the pain related to atonement, suffering becomes a reality. Let us note that Jesus says to the third servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in to the banquet. Suffering forces people to come to the great banquet because no one enjoys suffering. Sooner or later, the suffering will humble the individual and tame our human rebellious nature, so that the lacking of love we have can be nourishing and transforming into true love. The suffering forces the person to pursue the necessary virtues that lead to self-balance. People always have three choices in life. To accept the invitation for love through trials, to have atoning pain, or to wait for the suffering that will not wait for an invitation. Inevitably, the suffering will force us to search for virtues as nobody enjoys suffering. Every person who commits suicide, or at least most of them, do it to escape from a situation. Normally, it is a painful one. The person who is suffering is being invited to go through such pain in order to return to love. Instead of accepting pain as an invitation to return to love, an invitation the person should not have declined, once the person has already declined that first other, the only positive alternative is to accept the pain associated with atonement in a loving, meek, and humble way, as Jesus taught us. However, this person can use free will to refuse this pain. God permits that the person uses free will even to the point of committing suicide. Nevertheless, by choosing suicide, the person will create intense self-suffering. The mistaken utilization of free will makes it possible for anyone to overcome indolence and the tendency to avoid cultivating virtues. This is exactly what renowned Portuguese writer Camilo Castillo Branco did when he became blind. By committing suicide, he fell into a true abyss of suffering and only much later began to learn the practice of virtues, and we shall see this later in this book. It is very important for us to reflect upon the fact that life is an invitation for learning. The invitation through love is the first to come. If we refuse to choose learning through love, 
atonement takes place once more, inviting us to learn. We can choose to return to love by accepting atonement, thus accepting to participate in the great banquet once more, as Jesus explains in the parable. On the other hand, we can also vehemently decline this invitation and wait for the pain that will certainly come. When people commit suicide, believing that by killing the physical body, life itself will end, in reality, these individuals are creating immense suffering for themselves. This suffering will, at some point, force this suicide spirit to reflect upon its actions and look for a path towards love. Suicidal tendencies are created from a lack of purpose in life, often caused by feelings of rebellion and negativity, feelings that produce huge amounts of suffering. There comes a moment in which this revolt becomes so intense that the person wishes to die, to self-annihilate. The truth is that in this moment, whether consciously or subconsciously, the person is expressing revolt against God, our Creator. When persons who wish to commit suicide have a certain level of faith in God, they question the reason why God created them, and why God won't put an end to their life, etc. Many live hopeless with life itself, slowly developing a suicidal feeling. People suffering from this type of problem do not commit suicide directly, but do it so little by little through internalizing these unhappy feelings, which will sooner or later develop some kind of illness that will eventually kill them. This desire for death will manifest in the physical body as an illness which will gradually kill the individual. The vast majority of people who suffer from suicidal tendencies have a deep lack of trust in themselves, in life, and in God. Many believe that by killing the body, everything will end. Even those who believe that there is life after death of the physical body believe that after death, everything will be different and suffering will no longer exist. The lack of trust in life, in themselves, and in God lead many people to the extreme belief that after death, everything will end. This is a profound illusion and self-deception. It is the duty of all human beings to refute such feelings. As we saw in the previous chapter, death does not exist. Life is eternal, whether in the physical body or out of it. When someone has a suicidal tendency, actually commits suicide, despite all the mitigating or aggravating circumstances related to each case, their suffering becomes even greater because their problems do not reside in the physical body, but in the spirit. Once the spirit continues to live after the death of the body, the act of premature death by suicide will cause even more suffering to be added to those the individual already had. If we analyze the problem of suicide from a deeper psychological perspective, we can see that suicidal individuals do not wish to kill themselves. They do not even wish to destroy the physical body. What they truly want to end is the suffering that is actually self-generated. As it was demonstrated in the analysis of the parable of the great banquet, suffering results from the rejection to God's invitation to learning through love. This book is an invitation to all those, for whatever reason, are thinking or have thought of committing suicide. It is an invite to reflect on the meaning of life. What is more important? 
to kill yourself denying life, living a tedious existence, or to pursue lovingly what we are supposed to achieve in our existence, the knowledge and love that will guide us towards true life instead of living against it as we frequently do. People with suicidal tendencies try to get rid of suffering the wrong way. They create more anger around themselves. By doing so, they amplify their suffering to unimaginable levels. Such suffering will persist until they become conscious of their own acts. At this very moment, they become aware that they are the cause of their own suffering, and that this suffering is created by their own selfishness, omnipotence, or prepotency. Only then these individuals will accept the life's invitation to develop their real power to make transforming actions with the goal of self-improvement by their own efforts, humbly accepting life's unavoidable trials and gradually modifying their own attitudes. These individuals will be able to better their lives. Let us now study three verses in the Gospel of Jesus which will lay out some steps to take in order to free ourselves from the pain and suffering leading us to love. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In these three extraordinarily profound and meaningful verses, we find the key to completely free ourselves from the suffering of atonements and to guide us, once and for all, towards the acceptance of the invitation from the loving servant to go to the great banquet and practice the virtues of the heart. These verses spell out the six phases to perform a self-encounter in a loving manner, these are the fundamental phases of the self-awareness and self-transformation process. The first phase, self-acknowledgement of the suffering, affliction, and overburdening that result from one's own unloving actions, rebellion, and pride towards life. Every one of us is in some way afflicted, overburdened, and suffering. It is important that we ask ourselves, who is in fact truly responsible for such suffering? Ourselves. The very own person who asked the question is the sole person responsible for his or her own suffering. As we have discussed before, it is we're not in this lifetime. It was in previous existences that the person chose the path of dissolve, rebellion, and pride creating therefore his or her own atonement suffering. Most of those who are experiencing suicidal tendencies are actually going through the sufferings of atonement. However, they see their own suffering as something inconceivable, something beyond their strength. They feel that way because they are still cultivating dislove, rebelliousness, and pride, feelings that cause suffering itself. Why do the sufferings of atonement exist? to allow individuals to truly recognize that they are the cause of their own sufferings so that they can gradually walk towards love. When Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, 
He is giving us a clue, telling us that once we recognize ourselves to be overburdened by our own neglects, by our own lack of love, rebellion, and pride, we may guide ourselves towards him, the true example of unconditional love, and receive relief that only love can provide us. Many blame God, bad luck, or the miserable lives they had as the cause for their own suffering. As long as individuals do not recognize the true causes for their misfortunes, they will not be able to walk towards love, the first servant, to enter the great banquet. They rebel and often kill themselves, creating suffering from which they will deeply and tragically regret in their future as immortal spirits. It is important to recognize that life is an invitation to learning. The first step is to recognize that the difficulties we have throughout life, my dear reader, is not necessarily a process of God's merciless punishment so that you may redeem yourself. On the contrary, it is an invitation for you to develop the necessary virtues for your life. Therefore, it is very important that you understand that it is you who is causing your own suffering. Once we acknowledge our own responsibility for our suffering, we can understand the second phase, the phase of a loving self-encounter. After the recognition of our own guilt for the caused suffering, we can move towards love, represented by Jesus, with the objective of finding relief to our sufferings and burdens so that we can become an apprentice of the Master of Jesus. Everything that happens to us is an invitation to learning. We learn through love. Pain, as we studied in the parable of the great banquet, is nothing more than a mechanism to ease our revolts and humble our pride. Jesus is the great model to be followed by all of us, so we can walk towards love. When Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, it means to go towards him, not simply the person, but towards the love he represents. Jesus is our model for love. As described in question 625 of the Spirit's book, Jesus is the most evolved spirit sent to us by God to be our model and guide. All of us are invited to walk towards the love embodied by Jesus. When we do that, the simple act of trying to reach love will give us relief from any overburdening. Instead of killing our physical body through suicide, we are invited to walk in the direction of love. If we accept life as a divine gift by walking towards love, our suffering will certainly gradually be alleviated, and we will start to truly walk towards life in order to learn what life invites us to truly experience. In the third phase, we will study love as a guideline in our lives. For the purpose of learning, when Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, what is the yoke proposed by Jesus? Yoke is a guidance to life. Which guideline to life does Jesus offer us? It is love itself. Therefore, moving towards love is not a passive act in which the individual waits for love's forever relief without actively exercising what we really want from life, which is our constant improvement and forevermore relief from pain. Both will only become possible when we take Jesus' yoke in our own shoulders and become his apprentices. Once we have taken Jesus' guideline, love's guideline, we will be able to enter the fourth phase of our love-learning process. 
The fourth phase states the following. Become effectively our master's apprentice, gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is the master, gentle and humble in heart. When he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It is fundamental that we effectively accept the commitment to become the apprentices of our master, Jesus. It is important to profoundly reflect on the meaning of being an apprentice of Jesus, one who learns virtues of love, meekness, and humbleness at heart. As Jesus' apprentices, it is act of us to seek these virtues. Anyone having suicidal tendencies is actually rebelling against life and is practicing exactly the antithesis of these virtues. They are carrying deep inside an immense cargo of dissolve, added to profound feelings of rebellion and pride. These feelings must be transmuted by love, meekness, and humility. In life, we receive invitations from three servants, love through trials, pains of atonement, and finally, as a last resort, the invitation of suffering. It is fundamental that we do not wait until extreme suffering reaches us. Atonement pain is often necessary as a result of our past lives when we did not accept the invitation for love. However, when accepting Jesus' loving invitation to learn from him, who is also gentle and humble in heart, our lives get transformed by transmuting rebellion and pride into loving virtues. Learning to transmute vices into virtues will enable us to move into the fifth phase, self-encounter with love. The fifth phase, finding the serenity and harmony created from being in a condition of apprenticeship. When we become Jesus' apprentices, we will find rest for our souls. When Jesus says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest means serenity and harmony, even though we may be going through atonement pain in the form of physical blindness. For example, in his monumental work, Memoirs of a Suicide, psychographed by the medium Ivan Pereira, Camilo Castillo Branco describes exactly such atonement pain. Even in a difficult situation such as blindness, muteness, paralysis, etc., an occasion in which the servant invites individuals to participate in the great banquet, even in those conditions when we accept Jesus' invitation to learn with him, who is gentle and humble at heart, we will find rest for our souls. That does not mean that suffering will go away from our lives, but we will live through the pains with serenity and more harmony because we would be developing love, meekness, and humility. We will be learning as much from our success conquests as from our learning conquests. We would also be constantly serene either in circumstances which we are being asked to prove our love those which invite us to overcome life's purely materialistic situations on our way to the great banquet to conquer the development of virtues or when we have already been involved by atonement pain and we accept the invitation of the second servant that will guide us to the practice of virtues. The most fundamental virtues to be practiced in our daily lives are love, meekness, and humbleness. 
These will cause the blossoming of all other virtues we have been invited by our great master to develop. Once we accept the invitation to Jesus' apprentices, we will enter into a state of serenity and harmony, which will let us remain in the sixth phase of our loving self-encounter. The sixth phase is to make life easier while through learning, transform evolution into light burden to be carried out. Jesus concluded those verses saying, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We need to note that there is always a burden to be carried out, which is the effort put into exercising the virtues within our hearts. Such burden will always be light when following the steps of the Master Jesus. Even if going through a painful situation related to an atonement, no matter how painful this situation might be, it would be minimal if compared to the suffering caused by suicide. Therefore, all of us are invited to carry out life's burdens. We must notice that when we accept the invitation from the first servant, the burden is infinitely lighter. It is the burden of putting our spiritual values in first place and the materialistic one second. These materialistic values are important for our physical life, but they are secondary to our existential life. The yoke will be easy and the burden will be light. When we have already rebelled against the divine laws and waited for the invitation of the second servant, such burden, atonement pain, is slightly heavier to carry. But if we accept Jesus' yoke and the condition of being Jesus' apprentice, we certainly will nurture love, which will then make the burdens in our life light, even when undergoing atonement. However, if we reject the invitations of both servants and choose to commit suicide, the yoke becomes profoundly perverse and the burden extremely heavy, as we will see in the next chapters. Our invitation to every human being is that, Together we may reflect on the reality that life is an invitation to learning. We are all invited to follow Jesus' model and walk towards meekness and lightness, consequently reach the rest and peace for our soul. Everyone can choose to act in this way, following the model of Jesus, the path, the truth, and the life that conduct us to God. It's fundamental for us to walk towards this profound journey of self-recognition and self-awareness, practicing and working towards the feeling of apprenticeship of the great master, exerting love, meekness, and humbleness, virtues that will free us completely from suicidal tendencies. To conclude this chapter, we will reflect on our master's invitation to walk towards him, to meet him so that we can learn the value of life, and all invitations that life grants us, both loving and painful ones. It is not worth waiting for the extreme suffering that will knock on our doors when we commit suicide to then return to love. Let us choose the loving path, the one Jesus invites us to trail. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30.